had a good week this is be the week ending january 11th so if this is not your first rodeo then you can ignore me for the next five minutes if this is your first rodeo to the bitcoin podcast just the headers then you know that starting from january 5th to january 10th we aggregate the headlines in the blockchain and the cryptocurrency industry and then we feed them to you via our lens Hour, that would be me, D, and 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 you. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, who is me too? <laughs> uh, Jesse. Jesse, the man, fucking broke, coming at you, week after week, headlines after headlines. So what you guys don't know is there's hundreds, or you probably do know, there are hundreds of headlines that come out in a week. We give you fifteen. So we still stress as a network to do your own due di- do your own due diligence, and that's do d u e the second do there. Do the do. Oh, that could be a slogan. D o the d u e do the do. I like it. Jesse hates it, <laughs> but Jesse hates most things, so we're okay with that. <laughs> It's true. That's why you laugh. It's only it's only funny when it's true. So, I like dachshunds. You like what? I like dachshunds. Dachshunds are a unique dog. They look like the munchkin of the dog breed of the the canines. I saw like a oh, what is it? Like a toy uh, chihuahua. Those things are just so tiny. They like they they're can very fit cute though. They're very cute. Yeah, I guess. I'd get one if I were look, feeling cute. Get myself a little Troy Chihuahua. Mm. It seemed like they'd be easy to step on, though. That's the problem, dude. I'm telling you. Like, I went to visit some family <laughs> who had two of those things. And it's like, they were, they want to run around and they want to, like, you know, jump on your leg like normal dogs, except they're, like, the size of your foot. So, like, you can accidentally step on them. And it's so scary. <laughs> I figure that would suck. You know, like when you wake up in the morning, you're like barely alive, and you get out of the bed. And let's say for whatever reason, yeah. let's call the little Chihuahua Minx. Minx was laying at the side, and she was like, "Oh, it's great, it's up. I'm going to get fed." And then snap, gone. Chihuahua's gone. Yeah, I mean they're really fragile. They're so tiny. Yeah, it's scary. More of the story here is guys. By a real dog. So real the first, <laughs> the first uh, story of uh, this show is going to be written by Jeffrey Gogo. This is a Bitcoin.com special. So this is a very kind of situation. Uh, it has 9,732 eyeballs that have seen it. Um, thousands of banned Binance customers remain cut off by the exchange. So I don't know if you have, uh, Jesse, I don't know if you heard this or not, but crypto is getting regulated. I have a Binance account. Am I cut off? <laughs> but you better look into that, bro. So Binance, <laughs> the world's second largest digital asset exchange by traded volume, has withdrawn its services from countries targeted by U.S. economic sanctions. Oh. In line with its controversial revised terms of use, however, the ban affects entire populations in countries such as Zimbabwe, where U.S. restrictions are supposed to specifically target individuals and companies. So. Um, Binance is seeking to satisfy the U.S. interests. Uh, so I'll say it loud, loud enough for the people in the back of the room, that cryptocurrency is no longer unregulated. Uh, just because it, it's, it's getting regulated. The big boys are coming in. So um, if you do shady shit, uh, you're going to get caught. So 
Um, and and plus, like, they're not dealing with shady. Co- I mean, Iran. Come on now. Like, I don't know any Iranians, but I I read that there's some shade going on there. You do shady things. You do shady things in Iran. So, I don't know. What? How do you feel about that, Jesse? It should be like permissionless, right? That's what crypto started as. Like anybody can use it. And it, I guess it, this has nothing to do with Bitcoin, right? This is just an exchange that's saying, "Oh, we're we're centralized, so we can do what we want." Okay. I mean, yeah. There you go. So, Jesse agrees. He hates that he agrees because he hates everything. But um, <laughs> that's the way it is. Binance is booting y'all suckers if you ha- if you live in a country where there are U.S. sanctions. So, was it Russia, China, Iran, Syria, so huh? Belarus, Serbia, Bosnia, Myanmar, Mississippi? <laughs> they need to be sanctioned. They're kind of backwards down there. Not gonna lie. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry for anybody who listens from Mississippi, but you guys are living in some weird situations going on there. Okay, Coin Telegraph, written by Adrian Zmudzinski, the founder of Romanian crypto exchange CoinFlux, is to be extradited to the U.S. on multiple allegations. So they got him. <laughs> they got him. We got him. Over. Uh, Nestor Vlad Galin. The founder of Romanian crypto exchange CoinFlux would be extradited to the United States. Oh, he's going, to, dude. He's going to federal pound me in the ass prison. He ain't going to no. <laughs> he's not going to no lightweight prison where they serve bagels. He's going. He's going to the tough one. He's going to get some face tats. I got one thing to say to you, Nistor, and don't drop the soap. All right, on to the next article. <laughs> um, this is written by Olivia Capazola, uh, Capazalo, Cap- Capozalo from Cointelegraph. Uh, has 1,000, wow, 17,693 total views and 274 shares. That's a lot of people. The U.S. Fed's raid tech hub for unauthorized crypto trading report. Man, is the theme that we're going for today is like people are going down. Like the crackdown is 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 here. Damn. I should stop doing the podcast. I'm too public. I'm going dark, Jesse. And that's not a racial thing. Come come to Mexico. Go to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of safe for me. I'm not very kidnappable. You know. <laughs> They'll look at my Sperry's and they're like, okay, this black guy wearing Sperry's, we're not kidnapping the guy. We're not going to, we're not going to. Okay. Anyways. So United States federal agencies reportedly raided the office of, wait, before I get going, what's the most, what's the most unique Mexican thing you've seen since you've been there? Oh, by the way, Jesse's in Mexico for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, um, most un- what's the most Mexican thing you've seen since being in Mexico? I walked across the street, like literally 20 steps from the house, and bought chicken, like al fresco, like from somebody's house. They waited out. Like they had chicken in the bag, then they killed them. And uh, uh, yeah, that's how we got chicken. Didn't go to the grocery store. <laughs> Wait, like you didn't rinse it? You didn't. There's no processing there. You just were like, hey, you got some chicken in a bag. We're going to cook it. Well, they had chicken. They have chickens in the in the back of the house, I guess. And But out front, they had chicken that they were butchering and selling wow. um, out of the home. Like you could see like their, their living room. Like it's literally like a like a portable, portable table, plastic table. And on that table, they have like two metallic bowls filled with like chickens and like this. <laughs> old ass scale it's like rusty you can't even see the numbers on it and then they like they ask you you know how much chicken you want which parts do you want and then they just put it on the metal scale and they just move the little 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 thing on the scale to figure out how many kilos you're gonna get and then you buy your chicken but that's like that's like not even that's nothing it's just where i am in mexico is just a different it's just it's like a different world compared to living in the u.s wow so if jesse has salmonella 
We know why. <laughs> so everyone, put your hands together and shout. Do a quick prayer. Shout out to Jesus for Jesse right now because Jesse is gonna have salmonella poisoning. Dude, tonight. I milked a cow yesterday. Huh? I milked a cow yesterday. You are like the world's most interesting man. You go on pilgrimages. <laughs> you're milking cows now. You're. I rode in the back of the truck for like to to like a farm or like a ranch mm-hmm. to like see where you know the land and stuff where my grandfather has like crops and stuff and. We were riding around uh, in the back of like the truck because there's only like two seats in the front, and my butt has never hurt so much before. Not only from the ride, but like also from the spicy foods, because like everything is spicy. And I don't want to be like that that person like who's offered chili. Uh, chili. Sorry, I'm like I'm trying to like turn off my my accent for speaking Spanish. Um, chilies. And when I'm offered chilies, I try and say, you know, okay, yeah, sure, I'll eat them. And I know that it's going to hurt later on because they're really spicy, mm-hmm. if, you get, if you get what I'm saying. So not only for the past few days has my butt been hurting oh, okay. from riding on uh, the metal the metal bed of also where, like, the, yeah. It's, so it's, your, your butt's hurting on the inside and outside. Exactly. Wow. Yes. It's rough. It's well, rough. at least you're not butthurt about it. At, I'm not. You know, I'm yeah. trying to practice uh, being appreciated, appreciative. You know, for, you know some having a roof over my head. Aren't fortunate enough to have inside and outside butt pain. <laughs> so, for you, you know, you should really just appreciate this moment in your life where you got to feel that. You're right. I should. So. The United States federal agencies reportedly <laughs> raided the Office of Michigan-based Science and Tech Center. That's a segue right there. That's a that's that's one of our best. They sent her last month during a crypto-related investigation. Local news outlet Wood TV reported. Uh, so, as Wood TV reported, Chris Bowden, the founder of the Geek Group, made a live public statement on YouTube Saturday night which has evidently since been deleted, and Bowden reportedly claimed that the office of his tech-oriented nonprofit organization had been raided by members of the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI for those that don't know shit. The Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, for also those that don't know shit. On December 21st, elaborating that computers and other equipment were taken from his office. So what's have you reported that Bowden has stated that he has commercially trading in cryptocurrency without the proper authorization. So the theme of this week's show is regulation is here. Better follow those policies. Know what the hell you're doing. So I think it's your turn, man. We moved on to Monday. We're moving pretty quick. Good pace. Sounds good. All right, Monday. Go for it. Your shit. The article, first article for Monday is written by Mary Huillette uh, of Cointelegraph entitled Gab turns Square's cash app after, turns to ca- uh, Square's cash app after Coinbase allegedly froze its account. This article has 4,747 total views and 146 total shares. Controversial social media site Gab is reportedly now using the cash app from United States-based payments firm Square to transact and receive Bitcoin donations. The company's official Twitter posted the announcement January 6. Founded in 2016, Gab is a social network which presents itself as a haven for uncensored speech online. It has risen in notoriety due to a perception that it serves as an, quote, echo chamber for, quote, extremist, alt, or far-right views, many of whose proponents have allegedly been banned from Networks such as Twitter and Facebook on the grounds of their alleged violations of these platforms' rules on hate speech. Mm. Not much to read here. Coinbase said, hey, you guys are super duper racist, so we don't want your money. And they said, okay, we're going to go to a different place that will take our money. That's not good, though, right? Huh? It's It's the same issue that we read in an article last week about Patreon being forced um, by some payment processor, I forget the name, uh, MasterCard, right? MasterCard yeah. told Patreon, hey, we don't like whatever this guy's doing. So Patreon was forced to um, deplatform one of you know, mm-hmm. the people who use their uh, platform. 
it looks like Coinbase is kind of How do you feel about censoring that? people as well. Uh, not good. That's not good. You know, I mean, what if you like, you know, what if your Coinbase account was frozen because you run the Bitcoin podcast because they don't like what you're saying about Coinbase or something and they freeze your account? Interesting point. I'll be upset. I'll be very upset. <laughs> I'll be upset. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. Well, the deplatforming continues. I guess when private companies own entities where high communication traffic goes through, then they have a unique power. Because they're private, they can just turn people's voice off, which is probably a bad thing. They probably turn people's voice off with pressure from the wealthy. So, oof, living in weird times, Jesse. I'm glad you're down there learning how to <laughs> cut up chickens because it's going to get survival. No, I'm kidding. It's not going to get that bad. Okay, I'm done. You can keep going. Next article, right? All right. Next article, uh, Ethereum Classic Devs. Hash power consolidation on, net- on network is, quote, not 51% attack. Oh, they're <laughs> clapping back. Uh, articles written by Anna Alexander with Cointelegraph has 10,150 total views and 224 total shares. So the article begins by saying the Ethereum Classic developers have stated that a mining pool evidently claiming over 50% of the network's hash rate was, quote, most likely selfish mining in a tweet today, January 7th. Uh, Ethereum Classic devs also explicitly stated in the same tweets that the previously noted hash rate consolidation is not a 51% attack and that double spends were not detected. So I don't really know too much about this. Um, when I was putting together the headlines, I saw that there was a tweet by, um, I'm assuming it was Charlie Lee, um, about the fact that um, Ethereum Classic was 51% attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw another headline um, about an exchange that confirmed that there was a 51% attack on Ethereum Classic and that they're going to refund Anybody whose accounts were, um, I guess, uh, affected. So I'm not really sure. Do you know anything about this? Uh, I know Ethereum Classic was 51% attacked, and I know there was a reorganization a lot, like some a lot of blocks deep in their blockchain, and a lot of people actually did. So Coinbase. Um, they did the audit. They did an audit, and they found out that there was a double spend, um, which is not a good thing. I'm surprised the price is where it is with Ethereum Classic, right? Because once a double spend is detected, then I mean, it's, it's interesting as it's your um, blockchain spill shit. But um, that's that's all I know is that Coinbase did like an audit, and they found out like, hey, there was a reorganization, and I think that's something that. Um, people don't understand as well is that um a 51 percent attack is like just the um technique of getting 51 percent of the hash power of the network um or if you proof of stake i'm pretty sure it'd be like the validators or the majority stake or something but nevertheless you do different things while you have the majority of the network you can you know you can change you can fork it you could go back and change transactions you can you know, you're doing different things. In this case, there was a reorganization, which means it was double spin. They, they changed what was going on in the blockchain. So, um, but Ethereum Classic is claiming it was not was not a 51 percent attack, and it was just people consolidating their mining. Which doesn't that seem like a 51? Like if you consolidate and you get 51%, so that means that before you consolidated, you had all these different entities that were mining. And then you were like, you know what? Let's like make the different entities one entity. Oh, shit. We have 51%. No one was supposed to see that. Oops. Like that's how I feel how that worked. Mm. So I don't know. It's all prognostication. All speculative speculation. Okay. Well, it says Coinbase wasn't affected, but some exchanges, I think possibly CoinCheck and Bitflyer were. So they temporarily halted deposits and withdrawals of ETC. That's a costly attack, man. I'm surprised whoever pulled it off pulled it off. 
Mm. All right. I guess uh, last article mm-hmm. for Monday is about uh, one of the people who was deplatformed, or he he deplatformed himself. I know that, um, that he denounced right. he denounced Patreon. He said, "I'm leaving this platform, even though I'm appreciative of you know all that you guys are doing. I don't agree with your actions to censor other people." And he's leaving Patreon. So. Uh, the article is entitled Dave Rubin Turns to Bitcoin for Crowdfunding After Alleged Patreon Censorship. Uh, the article is written by Mary Willette as well. Uh, Cointelegraph, 8,462 total views and 193 total shares. American liber- uh, libertarian political commentator Dave Rubin has announced that he's turning to Bitcoin in lieu of the crowdfunding platform Patreon in protest against the latter's alleged censorship practices. Mm. Rubin made his announcement on Twitter January 6th. In an interview with the Washington Examiner last week, Ruben explained his decision to leave Patreon, which reportedly accounts for between, quote, between 60 to 70 percent of his funding as taking a, quote, stand against the ever movement, moving encroachment on free speech, on free expression, on mainstream platforms. Uh, Ruben, who has a background in stand-up comedy, is a creator and host of The Ruben Report, an independently produced long-form online interview show and podcast with a focus on politics and current affairs. So, hmm. there you go. Do you see this happening more and more? Like, this can kind of be a slow grow for adoption of cryptocurrency is you're having these really popular cre- content creators that keep getting the shaft by these centralized entities, the YouTubes of the world, the, the PayPals of the world, the Patreons of the world. Um, um, you know, and you have these people that are like, well, hey, you know, if you're going to keep fucking with my money, I'm going to find a means so so that people have more options to get me money. Sure. Um, I watched the YouTube video actually um, more than a week ago of About a week him, ago. him and um, the Jordan Peterson guy I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they made a video together um, announcing that they were leaving Patreon. And uh, in fact, they and a few other people are actually spending a lot of their own money to try and put together a an anti uh, censored or censorship resistance platform mm. for that is for the same um, use that Patreon is is for. But I guess Bitbacker. with Bitbacker.io, we read about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh no no, but that may not be his platform though. Is what I'm saying. Oh okay. But they're making they're making their own right now actually. So. No doubt. No doubt. So yep, that's all for Monday. Um, all right. Tuesday. Well, moving on to Tuesday then. So speaking of Tuesday, F- ETH FDev suggests moving to ASIC friendly algorithm after Prague proof of work decision. So, an Ethereum code contributor suggested that Ethereum developers embrace specialized mining hardware, ASICs, in a reply on Ethereum developer forum, Ethereum Magicians, on January 7th. So, as Cointelegraph has reported, uh, Ethereum core developers have tentatively decided to implement a new proof-of-work algorithm dubbed PROG Proof-of-Work, which would decrease the efficiency divide between ASICs and GPUs, um, while rendering current Ethereum ASICs obsolete. According to another developer on Ethereum Magicians, David Vork, Prog proof of work would favor larger ASIC producers because the more complex hardware needed would exacerbate the economies of scale involved. And he has a quote here. Um, no, sorry. Following that comment, a developer named Alexei Okonovov stated, "If we want to, if we want to obsolete the current ETH hash mining devices." but at the same time not to induce more secretive behavior on the part of ASIC manufacturers. We need to embrace it and switch to an ASIC-friendly algorithm now instead of an ASIC-unfriendly algorithm, which is the opposite of what we are doing. So those of you you that don't know, if this is your first time in any contact with any show on the Bitcoin podcast, an ASIC is called an action-specific integrated circuit, right? Am I right about that, Jimmy? application application specific and it's it's just it's made to do one thing and in the case of cryptocurrency the one thing that it does is mine it does hashes it it, it just guesses it guesses a number over and over and over and over and over again until it's small enough to uh unlock a new crypto 
and then the, while it's guessing it's actually providing computation to secure the network as well so it's, it's, it's very specific so Ethereum devs generate rationale behind the objecting to using ASICs to mine ETH as the specialized hardware has no natural distribution no reserve group high barrier to entry production centralization and backdoor potential mm. this rationale was challenged by Vork who said what needs to be done in order to bring prog proof of work hardware peacefully to the Ethereum community mm. so this is uh, Ethereum's dealing with some stuff right now they got the Constantinople fork coming which is the proof of stake fork but they still have they're still gonna have proof of work going on in the background right so every I'm, time yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure okay so so the way it's supposed to work is that if you are just a holder of ether you don't have to do anything because there's going to be a hard fork coming up you don't have to do anything but in this hard fork like the proof of work ether that you have you have to burn it to put it on the proof of stake chain does that make sense hmm. yeah so there so there's going to be two chains one that's proof of work and the one that's proof of stake I, i'm pretty sure that's where they're going is that they're going to have they're going to have a hybrid proof of work proof of stake system I can look into it later just for my own personal knowledge, but I, I'd kind of like stopped paying attention because I know that, um, like last year when the, was it, was it still Constantinople or is Constantinople a it's new still Constantinople? Uh, okay. Um, I, mean, I think it might be like a little like easier. Two years. It might be a little easier to focus nowadays because it looks like we're getting back to the, to the, to the, uh, ma the majors, like just Bitcoin, ether, maybe sprinkle in some Litecoin. Litecoin's doing weird things, but. Just focusing on those two tends to be a good bridge to look at what's going on with the industry. I don't know. That's just my viewpoint. I know there's a lot of interesting projects out there. Handshakes, Status, uh, Blockstack, Golem. Like, there's still lots of interesting projects out there, but um, I'm talking about my own ease of mind. But anyways, yeah, so things are going on with Ether, so you should be paying attention to it right now. So speaking of Ether... Watch this have the watch this article have nothing to do with either. <laughs> Two US law firms file class action against altcoin <laughs> Nano and exchange pick rails. So I was right there. So this article was written by Anna Alexander and has four thousand three hundred and eighty seven views, hundred and sixty one shares. So there's two class action dude, man. Crypto is getting as real as everything else. Two class action lawsuits. FBI is busting down doors. Like this is all in the show. FBI is busting down doors. Um, exchanges are cutting off sanctioned countries. Like, man, there's going to be two faces to crypto. The face. What like, happened to uh? What happened to BitRail? Or rather, what was Nano called before it was Nano? It had to dump another name. Mm, that was also always Nano. No, no, no. It it was renamed to Nano. Um, I've used I've used BitRail to get. Mm. Nano, whatever it was before Nano, and then it was renamed, and then it was found out that the exchange operator, um, yeah, was doing sketchy things. He was actually dumping. Um, anyway, it's a long time ago. Well, two U.S. law firms have filed a lawsuit against the developers of Altcoin Nano, as well as its Italian cryptocurrency exchange, BitGrill. So, the crypto-focused law firm Silver Miller and securities law firm Levi and Korsinski have filed a class action representing James Fabian and on behalf of all other persons similarly situated. So the lawsuit has alle is alleging that Nano and key members of its core team violated federal securities laws and directed investors to open accounts and place funds in a little-known and severely troubled Italian cryptocurrency exchange, BitGrill. According to the lawsuit, the defendants also include BitGrill itself as well as the exchange's CEO Francesco the Bomber for Ron Wow. Okay. So you So Nano was previously known as Ryblox. XRB was its oh, yeah. Rai R A I? Mm-hmm. No, uh no, no, no. Rai is something else. Ryblox is is Nano. Rai is a different blockchain. Okay. Yeah. In a controversial incident over 180 million USD in Nano, calculated at the time of event in February 28, went missing from the exchange. Yep. So, 
I believe what we're seeing is the fallout from the the awfulness of 2017 is that a lot of these scammerific tokens and really terrible ideas were just made for people with large pockets to pour their money into it. And when people with large pockets pour their money into things, they don't just feel comfortable when you run away with it or you don't say what you say you don't do what you say you were going to do. So we're seeing all these lawsuits and we're seeing all these legal entities get involved because I guess those are the weapons of the wealthy, right? So interesting times. I don't get into scammy shit, so I feel like I don't have to worry about things like this. This one is because some of my friend was like, "Hey, there's this there's this sweet thing. It's like it's uh, a sweet new altcoin. What is it?" He compared it to like IOTA, except there was no transactional fee. Yeah, I heard of it. Excuse me. Yeah, I didn't mean to ma- yawn on the show, but I heard of it, and I thought to myself, "Well, that's impossible." I think that's, that's what I, <laughs> oh, I didn't even, even give the time of day. So, anyways, uh, speaking of giving things the time of day, the last article of Tuesday, written by Anna Alexander again, Swiss crypto exchange Shapeshift lays off a third of its team. So this 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 goes along with the sentiment we've seen in the last two months, three months of headlines, um, is that with the bear market, a lot of these companies that were doing really well and flourishing. Uh, have had the rug pulled out from underneath them and have to tighten the belt. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's it. Shapeshift laid off people. That's that article. Your turn, Jesse. A third. A third of its employees. A third is not a small amount. I reckon 25% of them will get land on their feet. Well, that's just a guess. It's a life guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know it's like you know 2017 was like oh become a bitcoin developer so many jobs and then like all these news stories for the past like month is like everybody's getting laid off now like so yeah it's just like the late 90s man <laughs> the internet boom when people were like dude i got a great gig i work for pets.com i get dental <laughs> I work I for pets.com pets.com <laughs> i get dental i get out uh, you know, oh, God. I get eye insurance. I can. I, I get five weeks of vacation. I get free pets.com coupons. I got a free pet actually in the mail. This job is so great. And then, like, three months later, it's like, whoa. It's crazy. Not a lot of people were going to pets.com. So, you know, I had to Google that, like pets.com, because I was only like, what, eight at the time. And I think I Googled about that when I was like a teenager. Because I was like, what happened before I was old enough to get into like any of this stuff? Yeah, man. It's what? What year were you born? I was born in 91. 91? Yeah, pets.com was 99 and 2000 is when they collapsed pretty much because everything popped. Yeah. So what's cool for you is like you were born into a world where the Internet existed. And, like, I was as well, but it wasn't, like, used at all. People didn't use the Internet in the 80s, and they didn't start using it until, like, the late 90s, right? So, I just imagine. I mean, I saw, I saw everything, right? Like, we're not everything, but, like, when I was in school in elementary, like, when I was 8, 9, like, we had dial-up, and we connected to, um, God, Netscape like before Netscape, <laughs> Netscape Navigator Prodigy? and all this. Did you use Prodigy? I've never used Prodigy. Oh my God, but... it was a sack of shit. But go on. But yeah, like, yeah, just watching like websites load from top to bottom, just the text. There wasn't like animations. It wasn't CSS. It was just like raw text, maybe a picture that was like super basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not nothing compared to like how the internet looks today. Yeah, man. It's so. so... It was so funny. Now that I've actually been a teacher, like I know there are some days where teachers aren't as well planned as they are. And the, the our teach our fourth grade teacher wanted to introduce the internet to us, and she's like, "Here's the internet. We're gonna look at a picture from the internet." And I was like, "What? This is lame." And then so I was that student, by the way. But then like we're all staring at this very small computer screen. It had to be like eleven inches, an eleven inch computer screen in the class, and we're just like staring at it. And she's like, Look, here's a picture of Air Force One. It took that thing like ten minutes to load up one picture of Air Force One and it loaded it up like line by line. And I yeah. just remember thinking to myself, the internet is the worst piece of shit ever. That was a waste of day. And now looking back at it, it's like she didn't have shit to do that day. 
She was like, fuck, what am I going to do with these kids? Oh, I'll show them the internet. That's what I'll do. <laughs> it was so terrible. I was like, I hope we never do the internet again because that was not fun. But anyways. But now you can't get off the internet. Oh, my God. I'm on the internet probably even when I'm sleeping. So, <laughs> um, So speaking of being on the internet all the time, a new bot enables millions to send and receive cryptocurrencies on Facebook Messenger? Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is me. This is me. You want to read it? You sound excited. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, this is, like, Wednesday, right? I think you have Thursday. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I don't Wednesday. want to Right? Yeah, yeah, I... yeah. This is yours. This is yours. I'm okay, 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 okay. Okay. Uh, a new bot enables millions to send and receive cryptocurrencies on Facebook Messenger. Um, this article is written by Connor Blinkensop. Cointelegraph, 5,815 total views and 262 total shares. Oh, by the way, um, have you ever used Zelle? Yeah, I have. Interesting. I just used that a few weeks ago. I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, We're not going to talk about it. All right. Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Zelle's like the bank's version of person to person. Yeah, it's it's like, I guess, like PayPal. Yeah. But for banks. Yeah. Why don't they just use PayPal? <gasps> don't dare. No, how dare you? How dare you <laughs> suggest the banks use PayPal? How do, how do they do settlement with Zelle, actually? How does that work? I wonder. Mm, that's an interesting question. And I don't work for Zelle, so I can't even begin to answer that. <laughs> we, should, we should have. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe no more things. More Dude, answers. That's what to we my should questions. do. We could actually probably do that with this show that we're on. Is like maybe if you find the number, we could call Zell and say like, "Hey, so how do you guys work?" Yeah, how does your settlement work? <laughs> like, tell me yeah. about the nuts and bolts of your company, please. And don't mind that I'm a per, I'm a absolute stranger. Uh, I just <laughs> want to know everything. Okay, give me the juice. <laughs> exactly, we should do that. No, we can't do, do it. that. The show, we say, what the hell are you calling us dude, for? Dude, dude, you just showed me before the hangout, like before we started the show, that you can call people on hangout. We could totally all right. do it. I'm going to look for their number right now. You read your all article. Right. All right, all right. So a company is giving Facebook users a way to securely send and receive crypto through Messenger, all while keeping sensitive information private. Light.im says its bot currently supports four cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and its own native currency, ZTX. All right, so basically this uh, company with their website, Light.im, just made a bot, and they're basically piggybacking off of the majors, the major crypto players, and throwing their own uh, token alongside and then saying that, hey, you know, we made a bot that can be used to trade crypto in Facebook Messenger, and that's pretty much the article. Cool. You want to call them? Zell? Yeah. You want to do it at the end, or you want to do it right now? Let's fucking do it, bro. Okay, let's do it. Eight four 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 two eight. This is gonna be stupid. You're talking, by the way. All right, that's fine. Eight four 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 two eight eight five four two. Call now. There we go. Oh, they didn't answer. Oh, that's that's dumb. Wow, they didn't even try to answer. A four four. Oh, maybe it's because you're in Mexico right now. No. It says if you're calling from outside the U.S., you can reach us at this number. But let's try it one more time. All right, I'm gonna dial in right now. Here we go. A four 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 two eight. A four four. Four two eight eight five four two. Let's do this. Sorry, audience. I know you're in suspense, but if this doesn't work, we could probably just call a Bank of America number, or like I'm anybody, any bank. Okay. Nope, they didn't answer. They don't want to talk to us, bro. Maybe it's because they know it's like a Google number. And yeah, like I just their Googled bots it. Bots are 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 like spitting it out. Huh. But anyways, if you can find a different number, go for it. But I don't think you can. So 
Anyways, the moral of that whole thing is that you can send crypto through Facebook Messenger now. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, I want to try it. I bet you Facebook is going to embrace the shit out of crypto and try to become like the rival to Coinbase on the low. That'd be pretty good. Oh, man, it'd be so sexy. What if Google, like, Google starts offering, like, payment, like, automatic payments in crypto to your billing company or to your uh, utility companies? Google sucks at a lot of things, though. Like, have you seen the yeah. Google graveyard? No. All the things uh, they try, Google Glasses, yeah. Google, all, Google Plus, the biggest uh, dumpster fire in the history. I mean, of look at, fire. look at IBM, right? IBM's still chugging along. Look how many random things that they've tried to do in the past. I bet you their boneyard is bigger than uh, Google's. That's very true. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's an original thing. I sure. Said. <laughs> All right. I think, is this the second to last article? Yeah, second to last article for Wednesday. I'll try and keep it moving. France's yellow vests plan bank run to run, oh, playing bank run to, quote, scare state without violence. This article is written by William Suberg of Cointelegraph with 16,085 total views and 857 total shares. Now, this is what I'm talking about. French grassroots <laughs> political movements, movement, the, I don't know, that's something in French, Gilets jaunes, jaunes, uh, the Yellow Vests is planning a bank run similar to Bitcoin's proof of keys, sources revealed on social media January 7th dubbed the, quote, collector's referendum. The latest demonstration by the movement calls on supporters to withdraw all their savings and other deposited cash from financial institutions on Saturday. Speaking in a video uploaded to a Facebook, an activist known only as Ta Taz San said the gesture aimed to, quote, scare this, in parentheses, French state completely legally and without any violence, yet more effectively, than ever expected throughout the history of the Galation movement. Mm. Quote, it's our elected officials' worst nightmare, he added. I wonder if it worked. Pull it off? Did it work? I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about it. it. Okay. I don't know if they're going to pull it off or not. That's the thing. Yo, how, how funny would it be if like the banks just load up whatever local banks that are near where they know majority of these people are going to try and you know host this mm -hmm. uh, movement? And then just like just pump them full of money, and then like they go and withdraw all their money, and then they go, "Ha! Now you can't. We're closing your accounts. So you can't put your money back in." And then all these people have like a ton of money, and then somebody just like walks through and robs them all. You sound like a person that needs to run a country, my man. Really? <laughs> no, but like, how funny would it be? Like, you just go around robbing all these people who pull out all their money. Um, I, mean, I don't know if that's funny. I'm pretty sure that's the opposite of funny. <laughs> no, but can you, can you imagine like they're holding like all their money in their bank account and then like they can't put it back in because the bank won't let them just for shits and giggles. Yeah, it would be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible for them. I don't know why you find this so humorous. It's so funny when plans go wrong. It's just, <laughs> even even my own plans. It's just funny when Murphy's Law just happens or you're it's figuratively like, saying, like, would it be funny if their lives were just ruined? Like, just like <laughs> with the snap of a finger, it'd be crazy, right? Be crazy. <laughs> like, 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 like they're 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 like they're like, hey, this is such a good idea, and then like they don't realize, like, yeah, if they pull all their money out of the bank. Like, what if the bank just says, yeah, fuck you, we will close your bank account? Like, what are they gonna do? They can't do anything. No, they I feel can't. Like, I feel like I this think could that's backfire, the point, right? The point is like. It sucks that they have no power. But the thing is, is they can't physically do that. Like banks don't have enough cash on hand for, for to if everybody made a run on the bank, they don't. That's why run on the banks are a thing. So, I mean, and it would be so dangerous to try and ship that much cash to local banks. I see what you're saying, <laughs> but it's so not possible. It would be so, so funny though, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be some Joker level shit. And it would you know be like I mean? like super troll, like yeah. And then, you know, we could do after we steal, like, after they can't get bank accounts, just steal all their money, put it in a pile, and burn it. Oh, my God. Just to watch it burn. Oh, my God. We're bad, dude. We're evil. We could no, no, no. Well, another bank, like, across the street, they should just be like, um, 
oh yeah, we'll we'll open accounts for you guys and then like steal all their customers of whatever this bank who like are they pulling their money out of all the banks? You're really thinking this through, aren't you? Like you're going through with it. You need to be on the yeah. ground right now. You need to be on the ground in Paris <laughs> trying to figure out yeah. Hey guys, how are we doing this bank? Just give me a mic. Give me a mic. I'll go there and I'll report on the scene just for the lulls. Yo, you guys are withdrawing all your money. How's that going for you guys? <laughs> Jesse on the scene here. I hear you're trying to withdraw your money. Oh, you only got 200 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so hilarious. Uh, just like you investigate with Zell, you investigate with the banks. Just like walk in <laughs> and say, hey, um, how much cash do you have back there? <laughs> Uh, so, what if, what so if the bank doesn't money? have any money? What if the bank just like pulls all their money out and they like I would like to withdraw money and they go, well, we don't have money. Like, sorry. That's <laughs> how bank runs work, man. That's no, no, no. Bank runs work when like run. all the banks like right, run out of money, run yeah. out of liquidity, or at least in an area. But like wherever they're wherever they're um, hosting the protest, they should just I don't know. I don't know. It'd just be funny for that plan to fuck up in a royal way you should write that segment up for for the daily show and see if they go for it (laughs) all right all right we gotta move on all right last last article for wednesday here we go uh mutability mutability questioned after steam blog bans 9-11 blackmailers account this is an article on bitcoin.com written by jamie redman with 1909 total views the blockchain-powered blogging platform Steemit is accused of centralization, uh, centralization and censorship. On January 7th, 2019, the hacker group The Dark Overlord had its account banned from Steemit by a developer known as Jay Redbeard for violating the company's terms of service agreement. Um, on December 21st, 2018, a hacker group known as The Dark Overlords threatened to dump classified insurance files that are allegedly related to the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center buildings. The hackers told the public that the files were taken from major global insurers like Lloyd's of London and Hiscox Group. The Dark Overlords announcement also included a demand for $2 million in bitcoins for a 10-gigabyte archive of files, according to the Pastebin post, which has been since been scrubbed from the internet. According to the publication Motherboard and a spokesperson for the law firm Hiscox Group, the files were stolen and likely did pertain to the 9-11 attacks. Since the group distributed this information across the web and made national international headlines, the dark overlord social media accounts were targeted and the hacker group was deplatformed from sites like Reddit and Twitter. After the wide range of censorship on January 2nd, the dark overlord explained in another pacement announcement that they would be dumping the data on the Steam blockchain. Um, however, it seems publishing classified 9-11 data is not looked upon favorably by those who run Steemit. On January 7th, 2019, the Steemit GitHub repository shows the developer known as Jay Redbeard appended the account The Dark Overlord to the protocol to the protocol's GDPR user list.js section. Mm. Essentially, this means the account was banned from the from using the website for violating Steemit's terms of service agreement. So interesting to me. This, this got really interesting while you're reading all this. And I was like thinking about censorship, right? Okay. And I was thinking about the other day I was thinking about the propagation of a message and how you know if we talk about like the beginning of time not time but itself but like newspaper right the only people that could afford to control the message of the newspaper were the people that owned the printing presses right and they were really expensive and you had entire companies like you to hire people just to run these giant printing presses and so you kind of became the the center of the message the truth if you will right and then if you take it before printing presses it was like the churches right the churches were the ones that were writing all the books usually the bible but they're writing all the books and holding all the books so they had all the power they had the truth and so nowadays when you live in the internet when i can syndicate something i could type something and syndicate it to millions if it you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be tough it wouldn't be cost it wouldn't be too hard to just push a button and if it got popular millions of people would see it but does it need to be seen like how are we supposed to in this new decentralized world of just communication because communication has definitely been 
decentralized with the internet how do we discern what's true and what's not and then i saw this article the whole thing which that's this the article like baby boomers are 7x more likely to to propagate fake messages fake news than everyone else and i'm thinking like what stops that how do we know how do they know what's true how do we know what's true because something be built that can you know create some sort of value around the objective truth of a statement that we could that people could validate from the safety of the internet i don't know right it's always, it's always been like some way like some signature some way of signing something that indicates you are who you are and of yeah. course you have forging forge forgery is possible but is it possible digitally no well there was poet right there was the token poet where you could write your article and put it on their blockchain and you have this like this is digital unique signature that says like this article originated there by this person right but who's to say that person doesn't give their private key to somebody it's like all right go to town write whatever you want using my name Hmm. i don't know i feel like this is never-ending problem of the as the bigger the internet gets and the more access to it becomes the harder it is going to be to separate the noise from the signal and we're going to have to have some way to say, okay, this is right, this is wrong, um, this is truthful, this is false. I don't know. That got deep fast, but I think it's a problem that people aren't really caring about, but I kind of care about now. Have we, have we, uh, as humans, like, just think about, like, the ability for every human to lie, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're trying to fix that. It's not like we're biologically or culturally trying to fix that. That's true. I mean, but I think like, like in a previous time, we would, whether it was right or wrong, there were entities that we would give a pedestal of establishing the right or wrongness of a message. If it were the church, if it were government. But what's next now when it seems like trust in those entities is waning? And we damn sure, like, I grew up in a time where you just don't trust anyone on the internet. Period. Even if, like, even if somebody sent a picture saying, like, hey, I'm your mom, and it was a picture of my mom, I would be like, hey, fuck you. That's not my mom, and I'm not going to listen to a thing you have to say. I'm, I'm going to ask you your age, sex, and location. Uh-huh. But, like, I just, I, just, I feel like we need something new to trust that the message is valid and it can't be just people because what you just said, people lie, people tell stories. There has to be this like value structure that incentivizes people to tell the truth. So we know what to believe and what not to believe. I don't agree. Selfishness, right? Selfishness is the incentive. Selfishness is the incentive. That's what crypto is based on. Right? Yeah. Financially, at least. Greed, yeah. So? I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. Maybe too much for just the headers and more of a the Bitcoin podcast kind of thing. Mm. Um, anywho, I think I've derailed your day. My day? Your, your day that you're reading. Not your. Oh, no, no. I'm done. Oh. That was my last article. Oh, shit. Saw you on a Thursday. Thursday. We're getting better at this, man. We're keeping it like right around an hour these days. Nice. The first times you did, remember we did a two-hour show. I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't mind that. I don't mind it either. Maybe we'll go back to that format. Just fuck around a little more. Anyways, yeah. um, this article uh, Thursday, you know, Z- Thursday news. Matthew DeSalvo, uh, the struggles and successes of introducing crypto to the unbanked. A social oh hell, this is good. This is rich. A social experiment in Colombia. How cryptocurrency can help the unbanked has been a hot topic over the past twelve months. It's been a hot topic for a decade, but we're not gonna go there. It is a laudable goal. But, <laughs> yeah. It is a laudable goal, but one that is by no means easy to accomplish. Uh, one tech enthusiast and, and stablecoin startup employee, Stephen Gilbert. Oh boy. Experienced the struggles and successes of attempting to do so when he went uh, to one of the poorest neighborhoods in Bogota, Colombia. So, Bogota. Huh? Bogota. Bogota, sorry. 
Bogota. Inspired by Hurricane Relief Project in Puerto Rico, he took part in. Stephen Gilbert wanted to do something else charitable, but this time related to one of his passions, cryptocurrency, living in Colombia's capital city of Bogota. The 30-year-old decided he need he decided to help the needy in a poor, generally out-of-bounds area in the South City there. There, he wanted to introduce the benefits of cryptocurrency to people who didn't have bank accounts as part of an experiment. I was, on a, I was interested in visiting this neighborhood, which is largely unbanked and poor, and seeing how they would receive the idea of crypto. The takeaway was that they were interested. Really, were they? He told news.bitcoin.com, uh, who, Stephen, who's the director of international operations at Reserve and now lives in California, um, he went to the Ciudad Bolivar neighborhood. Doesn't Ciudad mean city? Yep. Uh, Bolivar City and donated some of his new his own cash to nine families, 44 people total living there. He met them by visiting a community center, Niños y Niñas Constructores de Sueños. What does that mean? Boys and, boys and Girls Construction? What? I don't, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Boys and Girls Construction. Um, weird. The helps displaced people in Colombia. Uh, most of the people who spoke to had phones but no bank accounts, so he was able to show them bread wallet and from there give them Ethereum, approximately $200 at time of donation. Um, Stephen also embarked on a mission to educate. Okay, here's the difficulties of the execution of his project. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the meat meets the molars, baby. This is where the mustard touches the rye. But there were a number of problems. Stephen said that despite the enthusiasm among the community, the biggest issue was getting them to use the crypto. Oh, no shit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying really hard to get a merchant in the community to get them to use crypto. He said, I was like, hey, I'm donating this money to a community as part of an experiment. It would be awesome if the people could use it. Despite managing to convince residents to d download wallets, many had heard of Bitcoin, so I had a rough understanding of what crypto was. The shopkeepers were harder to sway. The merchants I spoke with in Ciudad, Ciudad Bolivar hadn't heard of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency, so I was starting from square one in terms of educating them. If I had more time, I'm confident I could have brought several merchants on board, uh, but I was time constrained because I was leaving Colombia. So when, S when Stephen did leave, he left them with the knowledge of localbitcoin.com and of Bogota's uh, mini crypto ATMs. He also left them with a list of stores and restaurants that accept cryptocurrency said the main thing was education at a minimum i wanted to see how they would receive crypto the biggest benefit is a lot of those people don't have bank accounts they're not tapped into the banking system so one really cool thing about crypto is you don't need anyone's permission to download a crypto wallet once you have know how to do it you're effectively banked so the same cat and dog the same dog and pony the same snail and shell story for the past eight to ten years is that once people get their hand on crypto merchants don't take it and so it's like an egg and chicken situation where oh I have this money where I can't physically spend it I have to go to the internet to spend it but that's kind of a friction there's friction there so I think what no one has looked into is the incentives for a merchant to take cryptocurrency. No one talks about that. And aside the like, okay, you don't have to pay the visa fees. That's great, but you're gonna get your ass kicked on the tail end when it's tax season. What? Oh, sorry, my grandpa was there. Okay, say hi to Gramps for me. But um, yeah, there's it's it's still not clear incentive structures for merchants to take cryptocurrency I don't think unless they drop off the grid and they're that guy or that gal but anyways whoa oh my god it just got really Mexican <laughs> up in here what is going on there Jesse okay alright Gonna We're going to have to go that. fast through this because <laughs> Jesse's pilgrimage to Mexico has got just got real Mexican so the last two articles we're going to zoom through China introduces new anti-anonymity regulations for blockchain-related companies. The Cyberspace Administration of China's CAC has introduced new regulations for blockchain firms. Uh, 
that are operating in the country the announcement has established has published on the regulators website on Thursday according to the CAC the guidelines which will come into force on February 15th were developed to contribute to the healthy development of the industry so China is tracking their crypto users so and they are doing so hardcore so there's that and the last article from Thursday as you know we don't do Friday news because there's no zero confirmation news so uh, this article is written by Jamie Redman, has 1,843 views. Uh, report claims that Chinese mining giant Bitmain is prepping for new leadership. The picture is unique here. It looks like one, two, three, four, five very large warehouses, and I know they're full of uh, ASICs. The cryptocurrency mining manufacturer Bitmain may have a new chief executive officer in the near future, according to regional reports. Bitmain's director of product engineering, Hai Chao Huang, will report, apparently take the lead role within the operate within the corporation, but no official timetable has been announced. So Bitmain plans to appoint a new CEO, claims the report. This is all prognostication. Nobody knows if Jihan's gonna get ousted. Um I don't even think Jihan knows if he's going to get ousted or not. But that's it. Jesse, are you done done? It sounds like... Um, yeah, I think I'm done done. Yeah, I got got pretty... Some Mexican <laughs> folk music started blasting in the background. I think it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another week of uh, the Bitcoin Podcast Network's Just the Headers. If you enjoy these headlines but you just need more... You can also click the link in the show notes and it'll take you um, it'll take you to the headlines and you can sift through them and you can do whatever you want. You know, you can sift through them and read the articles that you want to read on your time. Um, you can also tune into the other shows on the Bitcoin Podcast Network. We have Long Blockchain Podcast with Amy Wan, um, the CEO of SageWise, which is a smart contract reconciliation uh, service, I believe. So, um I may have said that a little wrong, Amy, if I did correct me, but I'm pretty sure she helps people resolve um, smart con like auditing and like resolving smart contract um, disputes. That's that's what I was going for. Uh, I murdered that. Sorry, Amy. We also have hashing it out with Corey and um, Colin who do the deep dives. So if you've ever read a white paper and thought to yourself, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, you can listen to hashing it out and you can get a vocal version of instead of reading it. You can listen to them talk about those very, very, very technical um, mechanisms that are driving this technology in this space. Um, of course, the Bitcoin podcast, that's the show between Cello, myself and Corey. And we just had a new thing where you can call into the show. But here's the thing. You can only call into the show if you're a Slack member. So if you go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and you click on the Slack button and then you follow the instructions, you can hop into our Slack group. And then Saturday mornings when we sit down to record our flagship show, uh, you will see the phone number pop in and you can call it or you can click on the link if you're on your computer and you can join in. A lot of fun. Uh, uh, what else goes on here? Jesse is an award-winning video game streamer in my mind. Um, but... Are you still number one in North America? I know. I'm probably yeah. like top 10, maybe. Top 10 in top North 15 America. 15 or something right now. I haven't How? played in huh? a week. I haven't played in a week. Oh. I only got to play for two days, three days after I got back for from the previous trip. Uh-oh. So it's been like almost, it'll be like almost a month before Damn. I've played again. Yeah. Well, Jesse's really good at video games, and he streams. And you can go to twitch.tv slash the Mexican Filipinos, and you'll see his channel. He is Mexican and a Filipino, so that's why that name is like that. Um, I like watching your stream, Jesse. So I'm I glad. popped in there from time to time. I haven't popped in in a while, though. Okay. Probably because I haven't streamed in a while. I'm soaked into this Battle Royale mode now. I'm hooked. I played Fortnite, and I was like, this is for children, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. And then now I found this one on Call of Duty called Call of Duty Blackout, and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And I'm really <laughs> excited about the one for Battlefield Five coming out in March because it's just fun. It's really it's a lot of fun. 
it's fun for a chill game. I would, I'll give it that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fortnite's whack though. I don't like it at all. But that's just me. Um, that's it, guys. That's the headlines. That's all the stuff we do. You can catch us in the Slack, the BitcoinPodcast dot com. Press the button. Press the Slack button. Come hang out with us. All right. Thank you very much. Play. You got anything you want to add? Just no. No. I got nothing. Nothing. Um. Nope. All right. Don't get salmonella, my friend. Rinse that chicken. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Play.